Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. I am honored and privileged just to be able to speak with you guys today. I think... I think if you were in the room today at all, you felt God's presence being led in just with these youth, and I'm just grateful to be a part of it. Um, I don't usually get weepy or stuff, but I was crying like a baby over there um, <laughs> when these kids are worshiping. Um, you know, so we're going to camp, and I am going to kind of keep that camp vibe going a little bit today. You know, our theme at camp this year was Child of the King, Child of God, where we dove into what it means to actually be a child of the king. And so I think I wanted to continue that theme here with you guys today. When, you know, we were up there and we were diving into what it actually means for us as youth and, and leaders to be children of a king. You know, I, I think when I'm looking through scripture, you know, you're seeing God throughout the scripture. You're seeing his title as king. You're seeing him as Lord of Lords and and mighty. And there's three verses that I wanted to kind of look at today just to kind of start us off that are giving us a clear identity and a clear picture of who our God is. So it says in Psalms chapter 149, verse 2, it says, Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Now, if you don't know, Psalms was written by a king himself, King David. And so I love that the king is actually talking to his, you know, his kingdom and saying, you should be joyful in your king. And that king is not me. That king is God. So let's be joyful in our God. In John chapter 1, verse 12, this is one of the disciples that walked with Jesus. He said, to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. And this is a disciple, somebody who walked with Jesus. He walked daily with the King of Kings. He got to be in his presence on a daily basis and see his miracles and see his power and see his might and then see his humility. See all the beautiful aspects of this King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And the beautiful thing is he's saying to all of us that all we have to do is believe in him and he will adopt us into his family. We can be co-heirs. We can be children of this King. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, Paul, the apostle, is writing this. He says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. See, throughout the scriptures we find these men that knew what it meant to have a king, knew what it meant to understand who that king is, who our Lord is, who our God is, and they're letting us know that we have that opportunity to abide with him, to be a child, to be adopted by this king. And I love that. I love that we can go through this and we can take ownership in that royalty. You know, we can take ownership in the fact that we get to be adopted by our king of kings. These are incredible truths. 
And the one thing that I wanted to kind of point a spotlight on that we've talked about already is that none of this would be possible without Jesus. None of this would be possible without a Savior coming to our world. And so I titled this message, Child of a King Unqualified. And, I, and the reason I titled it Unqualified is because without Jesus, we would be unqualified to become a child of the King. We would have no authority. We have no authority if it wasn't for our King. We would not have, you know, we would not be called a child of the king without Jesus. So today I want us to look at what does that mean for us to be chosen by God? Now that we have a position of authority, that we have an identity in God's kingdom, what do we do now? What does that mean after we're called? What does it mean for us to be a child of the king? Let's pray, and then we'll dive into this message. Dear God, thank you, first of all, so much for your son. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for making it possible for us to be able to abide in you on a regular basis. Thank you for giving us a new identity, a new purpose, a new calling because of your son. God, we thank you for the youth that are in this room. We thank you for our camp. We thank you for this church Thank you for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. God, I pray that you just be with us today, that you pour out your Holy Spirit amongst us. Let us just have our hearts stirred and let us have a newfound boldness knowing that we are a child of the King. God, I thank you so much for all that you've done. We pray all these things in your son's mighty name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as far as this title, this child of the King topic, I know when I was thinking of what it means to be a child of the king, a movie popped into my, my head. And maybe you've seen this, but it's one of the greatest movies, in my opinion, that deals with royalty. This is, the, of course, the 1994 classic, The Lion King. Has anybody seen this movie? The Lion King. And so I'm thinking about The Lion King, and I'm thinking about how that movie opens up, and it's grand. You know what's great is when they do a remake and they don't change anything about the movie? That's how you know it was a good movie, right? So they had the opening lines is this powerful scene, music and celebration, and what's taking place is they are anointing the son of the king, the future leader. They're there with a purpose. They're guided. They're all celebrating. The gazelles are going crazy. The zebras are going nuts. Giraffes are bowing down. Like they are having a party and a celebration because they're anointing the future king. And I think that's a powerful example of what it means when we come into our church and we get anointed by our king. The heaven goes crazy. When those 80 kids are getting baptized, heaven is going nuts because another one of our kids is getting anointed and brought into the kingdom, right? So I think about these things, and I'm like, this is incredible. And then you go a little bit further into the movie, and it comes to the point of Simba. He's waking up at the crack of dawn, and his dad's taking him to the top of Pride Rock, and he's showing him the entire kingdom that will someday be his to take part in ruling. And he's showing him all the valleys, and he's showing him all these majesty and all this beauty and wonder. And Simba's getting all excited, right, because he's, he's ready to rule. He's ready to just reign. He doesn't know what that means. And his father, in a loving way, reminds him that it's not necessarily about ruling and reigning, but it's about service. It's about taking care of the people that are in your kingdom. It's about loving those people and, and growing the kingdom and taking care of it. 
And, you know, the movie goes on and on, and eventually you get to see that Simba steps into his purpose, steps into his calling. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. If you haven't seen it, I'm surprised. But The Lion King, right? It's a beautiful example of kingship. But I start thinking about our Father, our Heavenly Father, our King, our Lord of Lords, and the fact that we are not qualified to be in that kingdom. You know, we weren't born into royalty. We were born into sin. But our Father in heaven adopted us into his kingdom. He found us and chose us and predestined us to be part of this kingdom. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5, it says this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And I love that because I'm looking at all these youth and I'm looking at all of you in this room and the fact that God planned you before you were born, had a purpose for you before you were born, had an identity for you in his kingdom before you were born. And so I'm looking at all these things and I think it's incredible. I'm so awestruck at the fact that we get to be part of this kingdom. And so one of the things that I want us to do today, I want you, if you have your Bible, I want you to open up to the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now, for some of you that don't know this, Chris Garza and I were the wise leaders that decided to take a truck up to camp and not a bus. We sent the girls on a mission to be in a hot bus, no AC, and a lot louder screaming kids. And we took the truck and filled it with luggage so that we could be there when they were waiting. It's like when they get there, we'll just be waiting and ready, ready for them. So that's not going to happen for any of you that are going to be joining us next year. We're all getting on the bus, okay? So if you're coming next year, just know you're going to be on the bus with us. But while we were in the bus, I was talking to Chris, and we're driving up there on Monday, and I was like, hey, Chris, I got a confession. I'm preaching this Sunday. Don't tell Tony I don't have it all figured out yet, <laughs> okay? We're going to camp. We're going to figure it out. But I started telling Chris, I'm like, hey, this is where my heart is. This is where I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me. I think that I think what we're going to do is we're going to look at one of the kings in the Bible. We're going to look at King David, and that's where I'm going to start. And then we get up to camp, and wouldn't you know that every single night of camp, Pastor Josh, what did he talk to us about, youth? First Samuel. First Samuel and King David. Every single night. So I love that the Holy Spirit already had this plan mapped out that he wanted us to look at kingship in the bible by looking at one of israel's greatest kings in history so if you have your bible open to first samuel 16 we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 13 and this is where samuel is trying to find the new king of israel it says this after jesse presented seven of his sons to him samuel told jesse the lord hasn't chosen any of them Samuel asked him, are these all the sons you have? And Jesse responds, there is still the youngest, he answered, but now he's tending the sheep. Samuel told Jesse, send for him. We won't sit down to eat until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had beautiful eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. Then the Lord said, anoint him, for he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day forward. And I love this passage because we're looking at a new king being chosen. A new king being chosen to lead a nation and chosen by God. 
And the crazy thing about this story is that who is David? David is, at this time, scholars believe he's probably around 13 to 15 years old. So he's a young boy. The other thing, he's the youngest of eight boys. If you've been around here, you know that the Nunez family has five kids and they call it a nation, right? Add three more and then you're starting to get there, okay? So he's the youngest of eight. The other thing is that this boy was forgotten. Literally, his dad is gathering all the sons like, oh yeah, it could be one of any of these guys. Could be any of these guys. And then Samuel's like, man, where, I feel like we, we're missing something here. He's like, oh yeah, I got one more. And he's out in the field just talking to sheep. And so when you look at David, he is not a fighter. He is a shepherd. He is not a warrior. He was literally given a job behind the scenes. He's not a fighter. He's not qualified to be king. And when we look at the story, yes, he is unqualified to be king, but God, right? If you've been in this church, you know, we always wait for the, but God moment. He was unqualified to be a king, but God chose him, but God anointed him. He had the spirit of the Lord upon him and it never left his side from that day forward. He was chosen for a purpose. Even though the world looked at him and said, oh, he doesn't meet the criteria, God chose him. His age didn't matter. His occupation didn't matter. His family didn't matter. His position didn't matter. None of that mattered to God. David was chosen to be the leader. And one of the things I wanted to remind us of is in Romans, the book of Romans, Paul writes this in chapter 8, verse 30. It says, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. How many of us in the room have feel unqualified? Unqualified to be a child of the king. Unqualified because we don't meet the criteria. But we have a savior who chose us. Church, we are called. We have been anointed. We have a purpose. Now, what I love about David's story is that I found three points, as it were. If you've been around here, you know Tony loves to have his three points. So, well, I found three points for us to study today, okay? So the three points, if you're taking notes, that we're going to look at when we're looking at J uh, David being chosen by God is, one, he's the wrong person. Two, he has the wrong skills. And three, the wrong timing. Now, when we're looking at David himself, like I said earlier, he's a young boy. A young boy, right? He's 13, 14. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Benny come up here on the stage real quick, okay? Benny's going to represent David. Chris, I'm pulling you up on stage too. Chris looks like a king. <laughs> looks like a king, right? Okay, we're looking at these two boys. Now I want you to picture Benny and Chris. These are the sons of Jesse, okay? Jesse comes to the house and he's like, I am looking for a king. Chris walks to the door and he's like, that is a king. That's a king. The hair, the muscles, the looks. Like, he is a king. This guy is made for battle. He's made to rule. And what does God say to him? Stop looking at the appearance. 
for I look at the heart. Don't look at what he looks like on the outside. I know on the outside he looks qualified. I want you to look at the heart of my next leader. And so they call for David, and here comes Benny walking through the door. Benny's walking through the door. Here's how they describe Benny. Beautiful eyes, handsome. That's it. That's it. Here's the other thing. He ain't qualified to be king based on his looks, right? He ain't qualified to be king. You guys are good. You can sit down. So God, let's give it up for them. Here's the beautiful thing about David. David is unqualified. He doesn't look the part. He's a kid. There's no way he can take over a kingdom as a kid. They need a fighter. They need a warrior. In fact, it goes to say in 1 Samuel, it talks about the king at that time who the people had chosen. His name was Saul. Saul was good looking. He was tall. He was strong. He was a warrior. He was one of the few people in, the Israel, in, in Israel that had weapons and knew how to use them. It's described him as being a head taller than any other man of the kingdom. So he is a giant, a man among men. Yet he was not chosen to lead Israel. He had all the qualifications on the outward, but he didn't have the heart that God was looking for. And so you have David come through. And David, he's scrawny. He's a shepherd boy. He doesn't have anything. On the outward appearance, he just looks like a young, pretty boy. And God looks at his heart and says, this is who will rule my nation. And I look at this room today, and I look at our youth, and maybe you're in the room and you're saying, I don't look the part. I don't meet the qualifications of a leader. I've seen the, the pastors on Instagram, and I don't have that. I don't wear the shoes like Lane, so I can't speak, right? <laughs> I don't look the part. I don't have a mustache like Tony. I don't have the, the beautiful personality that Pastor Paula has. I don't have the height of Pastor Ralph. There's no way on the outside I can do this. Maybe you're a kid and you're like, I'm too young. I could never lead people to Christ. Maybe you're in the room, you're in our seniors group, and you feel like, I have already aged out of my time. It's too far gone. I'm, I can't keep up with this next generation. I don't even know what they're talking about. I am not qualified to be a child of the king. And God isn't saying he's asking you to be qualified. He's asking you to be obedient. See, when we look at David, David was out doing his father's work. He's out there just hanging out with sheep. He's out there forgotten. Nobody knows where he is. Nobody's out like keeping an eye on him. He's just out there with the lowest animal you could find in their city. And yet he was chosen. Samuel says, call for him. And he obediently comes running. He obediently lets them pour oil over his head. He obediently steps into the anointing that God had for him. Not being qualified for the position ahead. And I look at this room and I'm looking at everyone in this room. And it does not matter if you think you're the wrong person for the job. It doesn't matter what your qualifications are because God is choosing you. God has already chose you and you are already adopted into his kingdom. So it's time for you to start walking in that authority. 
It's time for you to start walking into that anointing. You are a chosen people, legacy. You are a chosen group, and you are here to represent God, and you are to be a child of the king. So will you answer that calling? Will you answer to that anointing that God has placed on you? We have all these people getting baptized, and maybe you've been in the room, you've already been baptized. So you've already stepped into that anointing. You know that you're called. You know you have a purpose, but that's it. That's all you've done with it. I'm challenging you to start walking into that authority. God chose you for a reason. He called you to a time like this. So you are not the wrong person according to God. You are qualified by God. The second point I want us to look at is the wrong skills. The wrong skills. David was a shepherd. I know a lot of times in church we talk about shepherds and we talk about how God is our shepherd. And, you know, it's funny. We don't, I think, have an exact understanding of what a shepherd was in their time. He was literally forgotten. Out of the eight boys, he was the one that could be trusted to hang out with sheep all day. He didn't have the skills to go to war. He didn't have the abilities that his other brothers had. Benny doesn't look like Chris, right? So he doesn't fit the qualification. Now, I'm looking at the skills that David did have. As a shepherd, David would carry with him, typically when we look at scripture, has three things on his person. He has a staff, he has a sling, and he has what's called a lyre. I looked up what a lyre is. You guys know what a harp is, this giant, beautiful instrument? A lyre is what Cupid flies around with. The little bitty, like, little thing like that. It's not a very manly, it's, it's not an axe like a guitar, you know? So he's going around with this music. He's playing music. He's singing to sheep. He's out there with his staff. And then I was like, well, at least he had a weapon, right? Well, I started looking at a sling. This is not designed to be a weapon when you're a shepherd. A staff is made to smack sheep around, get them where they need to go. A sling is made to throw a rock to scare sheep back into their position. That's what it was designed for. If you're out there and you're needing to fight against an animal, a slingshot's not going to help you. Like you're just, it's not going to do anything for you. So David has three skills that he has as a shepherd. One of the beautiful things I'm looking at David is he gets anointed by Samuel. He gets called. He gets chosen to be king as a young boy. And do you know what he does after that? He goes back to shepherding. He goes right back to the ordinary job that God had already placed him in. He's been giving a power, a, a position, a promise of a position, and he believes that in his heart and goes right back to his day-to-day job. And then you don't see David come on the scene again until scholars are saying, until he was probably 18 or 19 years old. And what is he doing when we see him again? He's door dashing. Okay? He's doing ancient DoorDash. There's a battle going on, and he is sent to the battle lines not to fight, because clearly he's not qualified to fight. So he shows up with cheese, bread, and drink. And he shows up to just deliver food for all the people fighting. And who's out there but Goliath? A lot of us in this room have heard the story about David versus Goliath. And David is this small, unqualified person to go to battle. If he was qualified, he would have already been there. The king at the time would have already had, had pulled him from the, where he was at and sent him to the battle lines to fight. 
Now, we come across Goliath, and Goliath is described as a giant of a man. He's been a warrior since he was a kid. He has been fighting since he was a child. And he has so much power and courage and might that he scares an entire army just by yelling at them. And David shows up on the scene and looks at this Goliath and says, why is nobody standing up to this guy? Do you not understand that we have a king that is on our side? We have a God that fights our battles for us. Why is nobody standing up to this guy? And so he asks if he can go and fight this giant. And what's interesting is he goes and talks to the king of Israel, who is qualified to fight a giant. Like we described Saul earlier, he has been fighting since he was a youth. He was the only person in the kingdom with weapons. He is a giant amongst his men, yet he is not even found on the battlefield. How many of us have found ourselves in situations where the right person on the world isn't doing the right job? The person that we think is qualified isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I look at these people in this room and I'm like, how many of you don't understand that you need God to give you that position? Like you're going about your ordinary jobs. You're going about your ordinary day and you're like, well, I could never minister the gospel. I don't, I don't, I didn't go to Bible college. I, I don't, I don't know how to communicate with people. And God is asking you to do your job the ordinary job you had and let him make it extraordinary it says here that David when he was talking about how he would fight Goliath he starts giving references to his past he starts saying that he would fight a lion and a bear and he didn't use his sling and he didn't use his staff he used his hands now I am NOT the type of man that wants to fight a bear with my bare hands not happening. But David says this in 1 Samuel 17, 37. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. David knows he's not qualified. David knows he doesn't know how to fight this guy. And so what he does, he says, I don't know how to fight this guy, but God does. I didn't know how to fight a bear, but God protected me. I didn't know how to fight a lion, but God protected me. I'm just a shepherd. I just used what I had. I've just been using my hands. And how many of us in the room are saying, well, I can't go and pray for that person. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I can't go out there and minister to people. I work in finances. How am I supposed to be a missionary? How, how am I supposed to do this? I just work in construction. I can't do anything for the church. Maybe you're a youth and you're like, I, I don't have any special ability. I'm too young for that. All I do is play sports. Are you willing to give your ordinary task to God and let him turn it into an extraordinary feat? Are you willing to take your ordinary in your hands and let God be seen through you? It's not about what David's skill set was. He did not have the right skills. He had the wrong skills. He was unqualified for the battle, yet he gave glory to God for rescuing him in the battle. We have a king on our side. We have a king that is willing to fight our battles for us. Are we willing to give him our ordinary? God made ordinary skills into extraordinary victories. Amen. And so I look at this congregation. I see you guys. How many of you have social media? Okay. You have a platform already. 
I look at my own life. I am a college dropout. I have the wrong skills to be up here. But God can work through me. Like if you are in a sports team, maybe you're going to be just perfecting your sports ability. Let God use you in that sport. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. Train those kids up and be godly leaders. And that way, when the time is right, you can actually make a difference in the world. Maybe you're like, all I can do is just, I just serve on Sunday in Legacy Kids. So serve in Legacy Kids. Do the ordinary thing to you and let God be used in that. Let God shine through you. I look at this and I'm also noticing the wrong timing that David had. See, we looked at David and he was 13 when we first met him. 13 years old and he's chosen by God. And he is told that he is going to be anointed king of Israel. 13. Do you know when he became king of Israel? 30. 30 years old is when he finally stepped into the promise that God had for him. When I look at David's life, I see an example of a man who did not stop pursuing God's plan for his life no matter what came against him. He fought animals as a shepherd. He fought a giant as a young man. He fought armies into his 20s. He fought battle after battle. He survived and he kept going with the plan that God had for him, not knowing when he would actually step into the purpose. And I look at our church and I, and I see all these people in here and I'm like, you are called. You are anointed. But keep in mind, a calling comes with a battle. A calling comes with a battle. An anointing comes with wars. David didn't just stop there and say, hey, I'll let God handle this and I'll get to be king someday. He went back to the task that was in front of him. He started shepherding. And then when the moment arose to fight a giant, he didn't back down. He said, God's got this. I'm going to fight this battle. And then the next battle came and he's like, well, God's got this. He's got me this far. I'm going to keep on fighting. And I look at this room today and I'm like, keep fighting. Keep fighting those battles. Youth that just dedicated your life to God, the battle has now begun. I can't say when God will actually allow you to be put into the position that you're going to be in. It could happen next week. It could happen in 15 years. Keep fighting those battles. Maybe you're in the room today and you are exhausted. And you're saying, God, I can't do this anymore. I don't have the will in me to fight. I don't have the skills. It's been time after time. I am just tired from fighting over and over and over. And I feel like God's saying, yeah, you don't have the skills. You don't have it in you. So lean on me. Let me fight the battle for you. Just be obedient. Just keep serving in Legacy Kids. Just keep serving on the greeting team. Just keep going to your job in finance. Just keep selling houses. Just keep raising your kids in your home. There's going to be an opportunity when God will put that position that he anointed you for in your way and you will step into it because you have fought battle after battle after battle after battle. We have to keep going. I believe that this church is called. I believe that this church is anointed. And so that means that we should not be surprised when we have battles come our way. But are we willing to let God fight those battles for us? Are we willing to just release what's been holding us back? 
release our, our own ability. Let him know, God, I don't have it in me. Take over. I don't have the ability. Help me. I don't have this. Help me through this. I don't know how long this is going to take, but God, you have perfect timing. Are we willing to be patient? Are we willing to trust God and his promise? Are we willing to trust God in his process? I look at our leaders in this church. This church has been here for over 80 years. It's one of the things that I loved when I became a youth director. I actually had it put on all of our shirts, established in 1946. It was the first camp photo I could ever find of our youth group. This church has been through battles. This church has been in God's timing. I look at the leadership that's in this building right now, and I I look at our pastor, Ralph, that would just step down. Pastor Ralph was an ordinary basketball coach. Pastor Ralph knew he had an anointing from God to preach, to lead, to shepherd. So he started picking up kids and taking them to church just on his own. He started loving this team of 16 boys, and then he went on and started coaching girls basketball and just started to pour out God's love on them. For all these years, Pastor Ralph just started being obedient. Let me just, let me just make a difference in one kid's life. Let me just go and take this one kid home. This kid's drunk on a Friday night. Let me go and just make sure they get home safe. Let me just go pull them out of their darkness, and I'll, I'll do that. My anointing, it'll come eventually. I'm just going to serve these kids for now. I'm just going to do the ordinary for now all while preparing him to lead a church in Meridian, Idaho, to get them through one of the difficult times of our life. We have our pastor, Tony, here. Knew from a very young age that he was called into ministry. He was called to preach the gospel. So what did Pastor Tony do? He started cleaning toilets in the church. He started painting the walls. He started playing drums. He started just tuning instruments just to be in the presence of God doing the ordinary things. He came to Idaho knowing he was supposed to be preaching the gospel and leading a church. And what did he do? He served under Pastor Ralph. He just continued to serve. Trust God. I'm just going to work. God's got this. I'm just going to keep going at it. I look at all of you in this room and I'm like, there are so many of you that you don't know the impact that you're going to make just doing the ordinary things that you're doing. You don't know the impact you're going to make because you've learned how to calm a child and legacy kids. You don't know the impact you're going to make because you were available to take a phone call when somebody had a gun in their hand. You were available, and because of you, God will reach the nations. Are you willing to be obedient to that? David led sheep before he became a king. He fought in battles side by side with the men that he would one day rule. David was patient. David was obedient. And we, called to be children of God, are called to be an example to the world of what it means to be strong, persistent warriors in fighting these battles with people. I'm going to ask the band to come on up here because I want us to realize, like, David is an example that we can follow. David is, if you were to go to Israel today and you ask them, who is the greatest king in your history? most people would go back and point to David. However, if you look through the scriptures, you look through the Psalms, you'll notice that David himself does not give credit to himself for anything. 
He's constantly saying, God gave me the victory here. God gave me the victory here. And David, being as honest and vulnerable as he can, lets people see his flaws. We know that David was a messed up human. How do you think we know that? Except for the fact that David wrote it about himself. He let the people know, I am flawed, but he is greater than me. I may be king, but I'm not greater than the king of kings, the Lord of lords. So don't look at me, but look at him through me. When I look at this stories of David, yes, he was unqualified. We are unqualified. David was young and didn't look the part. Maybe you're in the room and you don't feel like you look the part. David was unskilled to be king. And maybe you feel like you're unskilled to lead, unskilled to minister the gospel, unskilled to preach. So was David. The beautiful thing is that we don't have to be qualified if we're chosen. We don't have to be qualified if God has an anointing on our life. In fact, the fact that we're not qualified allows people to see him more and not us. When we're not qualified, there's nothing for us to stand up on our own. When we're not qualified, all we can do is give God glory for it. I look at this room and I'm like, how many of you are not qualified to be missionaries and go overseas and God is calling you? How many of you in this room are not qualified to minister the gospel to children, yet God's going to use you? How many of you are not qualified to counsel people, yet you're going to be the ones answering the phone call at midnight, counseling somebody and giving them wisdom? Because it's not you. It's God in you. It's the fact that you have royal lineage because you were adopted by the king. So you have the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Jesus Christ to make things happen because you are a child of the king of kings. It does not matter about your ability. It does not matter that you don't have it. You are a child of the king. Remember David, it took 15 years before he stepped into his promise. 15 years. And maybe you're in the room and, you, and you're like, I am just tired. I don't know if I have it in me to wait 15 years. I don't know if I have it in me to keep fighting. And I want you to, uh, I want you to trust that God will fulfill his promise as he always has. I want you to keep studying the word. I want you to keep coming and worshiping. I want you to keep praying. I want you to open Bible studies in your home. I want you to keep looking for opportunities to do the ordinary things and let God be extraordinary in those ordinary. The last thing I want to point out before we close out today is that when you look through the story of David, which I encourage you to do so, looking through First and Second Samuel and Kings, there's one thing you'll notice about David. David is never alone. There's a group of men that the Bible literally calls the mighty men of David. And if you have a chance to go and look through this, it'll give you all this description of what they did. And it's incredible. These men did incredible, crazy, mighty things. And David surrounded himself with men who were more skilled, more qualified, had more wisdom, had more military leadership, had more guidance than he ever did. And these men chose to follow a king who was not qualified and to build him up and to encourage him and fight those battles alongside him. The Bible mentions one other man by the name of Jonathan, who was David's best friend. The crazy thing about Jonathan is Jonathan was qualified. Jonathan had the skills. 
He was the right person because he was the son of a king already. Jonathan had what it took to be a king. And Jonathan sacrificed his own body, sacrificed his own lineage, his own life, and laid it down to build up somebody who wasn't qualified. And I look at this church and I'm, how many of us in this room feel alone? It shouldn't be anybody in here, but so many times we feel like we're fighting the battles alone. And legacy, God called us to come together, to fight battles together. As Pastor Tony said, we are all parts of the same body and we need to all work together. We need to fight these battles together. Youth, the older generation is gonna be praying to back you up. They're going into battle, praying you up, sending you with all the wisdom that you need. They have all the guidelines of how to get through the next thing. So use them, surround yourself with the older generation. Older generation, these youth are not tired. They are ready to throw battle axes. They're ready to fight with swords. Lean on them to fight your battles for you. You're not alone. Look at these youth and say, hey, I am tired. Help me fight. Be my armor bearer. Protect me when I feel alone. Protect me when I'm feeling alone in this world and I feel like there's nobody else around. Look to the youth to come and fight the battles with you. This church is designed intentionally by God to build each other up so that we can go out there and make a difference in the world, so that we can take ground. We just took a huge chunk of ground last week by baptizing 80 kids. That is 80 brand new warriors out there. So my prayer warriors, start praying because the enemy is gonna start getting mad. Like me and Tony were talking earlier, we have been up all night in spiritual warfare because the enemy is so angry. We had baptisms in first service. We had a wedding in between services. Like we have kids being baptized. The enemy is going to be livid. So we need to come together, ready to battle, ready to fight, because we don't know when that promise is going to be fulfilled, but we know that we are called. We are a child of the king. Now what I'm going to have you guys do, because I'm the youth director and we just came back from camp, I'm going to have you guys get a little uncomfortable. This is usually when we're like, okay, raise your hand if you haven't given your heart to God. No, I, I expect you guys to have already given your heart to God. And if you haven't, then you should be already compelled. Like you have a king that's ready to fight for you and you have an army surrounding you. So if you haven't given your heart to God, this is the time to do so. But for everybody in the room, my youth, they're not my youth, they're God's youth. <laughs> God's youth are going to be leading us in worship today because they're the upcoming generation and they're ready to throw swords. They're ready to throw down. And so what we're going to do is we're going to all get out of our seats. We're all going to fill this front area here, this whole area, because if you're in battle, you're going to need to be side by side. You're going to need to know who you're fighting with. So we're going to join together in song. We're going to join together with our arms raised high. We're going to praise. We're going to worship because we're going to shout out a victory song that the enemy is no longer taking ground with the next generation because all the generations are coming together and we are a chosen people. We are child of the king of kings and we are going to prevail in the end. Am I right? All right. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. 
To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.